0: interactions are not just transactional the way they are over the internet. Technology provides a wall through which that anonymity is really preserved, but it doesn't provide the opportunity to really learn real tangible information that might be beneficial from talking to a person. I want people to learn to write appropriate business professional emails, but I also want people to learn how to interact in person. And I want people to feel comfortable. Suddenly you feel that somebody's made an effort. It's not just a connection that all it takes is to click a button, but somebody has made an effort to get to Know you. I travel to see clients. I work at home, but I make an effort to have meetings in person several times a week. I sometimes say to clients, I just can't talk on Zoom today. Hey, can we do a phone call? Well, I was gonna go for a walk. Let's do while you walk, let's do something different.
1: Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams,
0: companies
1: organizations
0: and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world i'm your co-host on the east coast jimmy bianco mathis and i'm
1: your co-host on the west coast mitch simon and we invite you to join us to team anywhere Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I am your host, Mitch Simon, on the West Coast. And on today's show, we have Laura Terrell, a practicing lawyer, business coach, and a former special assistant to the president at the White House. She's led and managed teams of hundreds of people across multiple countries as a top advisor of many Fortune 500 and FTSE 100 companies. Today, we are going to speak about a topic that no one wants to speak about, the topic is loneliness. Laura, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Mitch. It's great to be with you.
1: Great. And let's see, before we dive into loneliness, just tell us a little bit about you and um, uh, what, um, what, what are some of the things that you're focusing on in your practice?
0: Well, as an executive coach, I work with a lot of people who actually are experiencing the topic we're talking about today. And it's one of the reasons I was motivated to get into coaching. I've been a practicing attorney for 25 plus years, I've worked in private practice, in government, in publicly traded companies with not-for-profits. And one of the unifying things I saw, whether people were attorneys or business professionals in another capacity, was people often feel that they don't have someone that really is available to talk about the things that scare them or make them feel alone or make them feel that they need someone to talk with about a transition or a change in their life. And I always enjoyed that part of my business life, enjoyed that part of my legal practice. Now I get an opportunity to really connect one-on-one with people. I feel like I have a sense of where they're coming from. And when someone says, I feel overwhelmed, I can understand a lot of where that emotion comes from. And I hope that I'm helpful in talking with them about how they can take steps to counter that.
1: Thanks for that. I I think one of the reasons we um, started this podcast in 2020 was, I think, for a lot of personal um, things are going on in my life personally, which was end of a relationship, beginning of um, a very scary time, not knowing what was going on, um, and then frankly being alone in my house for the most part. And I had just read the book on loneliness um, by the Surgeon General of the United States, and I thought, oh my gosh, if if our loneliness stats are so horrible. The book was written right before the pandemic. What is going to go on as we move forward um, in this world? So, I'm going to um, share some stats that I looked up before this call. Um, so, today we're going to dive into loneliness. And according to the latest research on loneliness throughout the globe, 52% of Americans report feeling lonely. But the 52 over over half of Americans report feeling lonely, while 47% report that their relationships with others are not meaningful. 47 percent. I know that I teach another class uh, where one of the stats coming from a Brendan Burchard's book, one out of every five people in the United States have nobody to go to. No one to go to to talk about um, any of their personal issues. London, England is the loneliest city in the world where 55 percent of residents say they feel lonely. Only 59% of Americans say they have a best friend. And 12% say say they feel they have no close friends. Another very sad statistic, 57%, single or not, 57%. This one just makes me cry. Report that they eat all of their meals alone. This is single or not. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about different generations. 43% of those age 17 to 25, and I have a lot of of kids, four kids, and and two of them fall into this category. 43% of those age 17 to 25 feel lonely, and less than half of them feel loved. 22% of Gen Xers say they have no close friends, Well, 73% of millennials say they are lonely. As you look at these stats, um, how do you feel and what's on your mind, Laura?
0: I think they're just as as shocking as you've expressed about them, Mitch. I think when you hear a number like 73% of an entire generation feels very lonely, feels very alone. People eating dinner alone, people not feeling that they have a best friend, I think that tallies with a lot of what I see with clients who are saying, I don't really have somebody I can talk to, or I don't feel comfortable sharing this. I think there are a couple of dynamics that come into play there. One is something that you mentioned, Surgeon General Vivek Murthy. One of the things that he's talked about in a different context is the impact that social media and technology have on our lives. He recently did, I think, an editorial on one of the major papers about suggesting that he doesn't give his kids access to social media and a phone until they're in their teens. And a lot of our dependency on technology, we could talk about this as an entire separate topic, but a lot of our dependency on technology, I think, generates a sense that we can answer questions by typing something into the Google or the Safari search bar. Uh, We can find the answers by getting a good article. Or for some people that research is a part of their lives, maybe it's as a lawyer, you're used to being able to look for the right case or look for the right statute. And sometimes people need to take a step back, I think, and ask themselves, is there a better way to be able to identify information, be reassured, have a connection that doesn't involve an online presence? I'm not suggesting that online media is all bad. We all depend on it for different things. We all depend on technology. But the need for human connection is so great, and I think that's what these statistics that you've cited really tell us. People want to be connected, and they feel sad, and they feel lonely when they are not connected with somebody in a person-to-person way. In the professional world, that often manifests as people making assumptions, I'm probably not going to get promoted because I think this is happening. Or I'm frustrated in my job, but there's not anything I can do about it because I believe this is the state of play. Or I'd like to make a change, but I don't feel comfortable sharing with anybody in my office that I'm thinking I might want to do something different. Or I think that I might want to take my work in a different direction. People are very Close about some of their information. Whereas when you put it out online, you can be anonymous. You don't have to have that person-to-person connection. One of the things I work with clients on is really suggesting that person-to-person connection is important. It's important to find people that can be a resource. It's important to have interactions that don't involve a video screen. Uh, You have a different relationship when you talk to someone in person, when you're always focused on work, but you're not able to go and get a cup of coffee or go for a walk instead. And look, COVID has changed some of that because we got so used to working in a world and existing and living and having a personal life in a world where we were isolated, it's become a bit harder to break out. And now that people are working more remote, more hybrid, I think that challenge to break free of the aloneness, the solitary, and become more integrated with other people is, is in many ways more challenging because the assumption is now we will work remote we will work alone. We will work in a solitary place. And we won't need as much to access others.
1: Um, okay, Laura. That okay. You know, I never thought about it the way you're presenting it right now, which is with the help, me, help of the Internet and with um, the kind of the, the go-to for uh, the newer generation, right? Because in, in in our generation, um, if we had a question, we'd ask a human. And then the human would, would interact with us. What, I, what you're sharing is that a lot of people now come from the assumption that if I have a question, I would go automatically to a machine. And if I have a question about myself that I just can't find... In a machine in the internet, um, I'm kind of stuck with my my question, and there's really no place to go, which is which is sad. Um, and you can see it um, exacerbating the the loneliness. Is that that uh, my assumption is now, if I've got a problem, it's either the internet or nothing. That's kind of what I'm getting from what you're sharing.
0: It is a bit of what I'm trying to get to the heart of. If you think about some of the warnings we've heard about technology, for example, adolescents, um, young women who are online and develop body dysmorphia or concerns about their personality or how they look or they feel inferior because they're watching videos online, stylized, Instagrammed things that give them a different version of life. And we think, that's terrible. We wouldn't want our teenage daughters or sons to suffer in that way. And we think that's terrible. And so when someone says, you know, limiting social media for someone who's an adolescent is a good idea, we think, yeah, that makes sense. I I want my kids to get out and experience. I want them to run and play baseball. I want them to get on swim team. I want them to have an art class where they interact with. But when it comes to adults, I think we often forget that that same kind of Need for human interaction, the benefits of human interaction are just as present. And adults, in some ways, are using the phones not just for the social life, but also for a, a professional life to interact with someone. Uh, I talk often with my own children about how to access things in this world. You know, you're trying to teach teenagers how you might write a check. You know, and nobody writes handwritten checks anymore, but occasionally you have to. Or you have to address an envelope, or you need to figure out how something works. And their answer to that is, I'll YouTube it. It's not I'll ask someone, or I'll go to someone. Similar to when certain members of the population, I'm one of them, used to go to the library. You'd ask a librarian for assistance. I'm looking for a book on this, or I need to research this. Can you give me some guidance? Again, now you just type it into a search bar in the internet and it's easier but you may not be getting the full depth or the full span of the information you need at the same time you're isolating yourself when i talk to professionals who say i'd like to think about getting a job in a new area but i don't really know how would i start exploring that one of the questions i ask is what's what have you done so far oh i go on linkedin I've looked at jobs there. I look at Indeed, or I look at companies that are posting things, but nothing's really in my field. Have you talked to somebody that you know that works in that field? No, I would feel odd calling someone. I would feel strange calling them up and asking them what they might think. And we probe that a little bit. What's strange about talking to someone? And I find for some people, it's I haven't seen them in a while. You know, I haven't talked to them since before COVID, or they might think I'm odd for calling them to ask them this. So we talk about how interactions are not just transactional the way they are over the internet. We talk about them as more of connections, as more of relationships. But if you call someone and you ask them for their opinion, I might call you, Mitch, and I might say, you know, Mitch, I was thinking about getting started with a podcast. Can you tell me, have you enjoyed podcasting? What's good about it? What's not great about it? What could you tell me that that you think are things you've learned from it? you'd probably be interested in sharing that information with me because I'm asking you for your opinion. I'm asking you for your expertise. But I find people are often reluctant to do that because they find it's intrusive. The technology provides a wall through which that that anonymity is really preserved, but it doesn't provide the opportunity to really learn real tangible information that might be beneficial from talking to a person.
1: It was a great conversation. You talked about, I mean, people isolating themselves It seems like the um you know they, they talk about how when you're on instagram or or youtube twitter the the algorithms are designed to keep you on the app it seems from a from it's not that much of a leap as you're sharing is it seems like the apps are designed to keep you away from humans it's because it's a it's a de, it's a dehumanizing experience that's designed to have you not even consider a human to be part of your life if you can theoretically find everything online.
0: I think that is a very real concern for many people and it's it's added to now by people not going to the office. Look, I get it. There are things that are great about having a hybrid role. I work largely from from home. So I have a largely remote and largely hybrid job, but I interact with people every day. It's one of the great benefits of my job as I get to talk to people. But as companies have said, we don't need you in the office five days a week. You think, well, if I go on a Wednesday, there's nobody there. Thursday is not the best day for me to go in. And eventually you have to be more intentional in connecting with people. You might say, Mitch, I'd love to get lunch. Is there a day that you're in the office this week? I'm there on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Oh, you know, Laura, I'm only there on Mondays and and Wednesdays. I wish I could, but we'll have to align it. Um, People have things that pop up on their calendars. I wish I could make that lunch, but I just had a meeting that came on and it suddenly appeared in my my iCalendar. It becomes harder to really find a way to connect personally and people's reaction to that is to say, I'll just retreat back into online. That's where I'm finding this person the most. That's where I'm finding the way to talk to this person. When I hear people saying that they're lonely, I ask them, what did you do when you were, you know, looking to make friends in high school? What did you do when you were looking to interact with people that have an interest in skiing the way you do? Well, I joined a ski club or when I was in high school. I, you know, there are plenty of people around. It was easy to talk to people. Where would you find those people now? And, People draw back, well, I guess there are Facebook groups, or I guess there are online groups, and I think that is a good way of initiating certain things, but it takes time and effort to connect with people in person, and we're finding that we can get instant gratification, and it comes quickly, and we can make it move in a way that is faster but less personal, more transactional, less relationship.
1: Hey, we're taking a quick break to remind you to support our podcast by hitting the subscribe button and leaving us a review. Your feedback means the world to us and it helps us continue to bring you more engaging and thought-provoking content for leadership and remote work. It seems that, um, it's interesting though, was it the, I think it was a Wall Street Journal, the article, it was either Friday or Saturday where where um, they're teaching new graduates, how to write an email and, um, how to hold a knife. It, it seems that, um, we actually are at a place where we, um, need to teach people how to interact with people again and, and emphasize the importance of that in your life. There's, there is, um, you know, there, the, the podcast we just did um an hour goes on was on workaholism and people just working their whole lives it it sounds like we in the wellness space we want to include the wellness which is the wellness that can be received from interacting with humans um how to interact with humans and it seems like so much was lost in three years laura um obviously there was a lot of negative things going on before because people were already those resources were there. Uh, It just seems like people have lost the desire and the skill set and even the understanding of how important it is that they interact with other people.
0: I think that's right. And feeling appreciated, which is one of the number one reasons that people say they have for continuing in their role or for feeling like they need to switch to a new role, that feeling of appreciation, that feeling of respect, that's hard to demonstrate with just an email that goes out. I want people to learn to write appropriate business professional emails, but I also want people to learn how to interact in person, and I want people to feel comfortable. I would want somebody to come to my office, I've done a good job, and stop by and say, Laura, I wanted to say that presentation you did this morning, that was really great. I felt like we got a good conversation going around that. I can file an email that says that, but I can't replicate seeing somebody's face, delivering that in a tone that feels positive. It feels encouraging. In intimate relationships, you know, physical touch can be important. And people want to feel that. I think in a professional setting, people want to feel a different kind of intimacy, a different kind of um, communication style. People want to feel that they are noticed individually. An email could be generated now through ChatGPT, or it could be generated off a template that somebody is learning when they're trying to understand how to work in the workforce. But when somebody personally takes the time to talk to you or says, you know, do you have time for just a brief walk? I'm going down to the corner to pick up my dry cleaning or whatever. I wanted to ask you your thoughts on something. I thought it might be great for both of us to get outside the office. Suddenly you feel that somebody's made an effort. It's not just a connection that all it takes is to click a button, but somebody has made an effort to get to know you. had a client that I was talking with the other day who is based in one office and has colleagues in New York that this client would really like to have a better relationship with. And one of the things I asked was, could you go to New York? Could you go and and say to those colleagues, I'm going to be in New York this week and I'd like to connect with you and I'd like to talk with you um, about some of the things I have in my mind. I won't take a lot of your time, but um, maybe if you have coffee or lunch. And the person's response was, they said, we do everything on email and, and Zoom now. I don't think they would understand why I was coming to see them. And anyway, I don't have a reason to go to New York. So, but you do have a reason to go to New York. You've just told me you want a better relationship. I couldn't just say, I'm coming to New York. I said, why not? That's a business reason. That's a professional reason. I want to connect with people individually. It might have a cost associated with it. Uh, that's a different issue. But to say that I want to connect with someone is a business reason to have a valid reason for meeting in person is important. But that was so foreign because I heard what this person was saying, which is post-COVID, we do email and we do Zoom. Um, I think some of the most formative experiences, though, that I've heard not just from people who are Gen X or a baby boomer, but also from millennials and Gen Z have been people that have said to me, you know, we worked on this project and we were all kind of in different offices and we got it done, but then my office... Took us all out for a happy hour one night. I never even see those people in the office, but it was really great. We actually felt like we got something done and we got something accomplished. I think the mechanism is going to change, whether that's a happy hour, going to New York or meeting for coffee. But there is a need to overcome kind of that COVID hurdle of everything is electronic now and it's easier that way. Are you lonely, Laura? I'm not, but I work hard at that. And I think that's one thing I also share with my clients. Whether it's professionally or personal, I think you have to make an outreach. I travel to see clients. I make visits to cities where I have potential contacts or clients that are working. I work at home, but I make an effort to have meetings in person several times a week. I sometimes say to clients who say, I just can't talk on Zoom today. Hey, can we do a phone call? Well, I was going to go for a walk. Let's do it while you walk. Let's do that. Let's do something different. Try to change the mindset. I think it takes work to connect with people, and I think that's another misconception. We were chatting before this call, Mitch, about this was going to be the cheerful side of loneliness. right? But the other side of loneliness is, you know, it's not just being cheerful, but it's also you have to take actions to do this. If you want to connect with somebody in a dating relationship, you have to take actions to do that. If you want to Have your children respond to you. You have to take actions to be present for them and to be engaged with them. And I think that's true in any other relationship. So I make an effort to have those out of office meetings. I make carved out periods of time where I can meet with people in different locations or different geographies. I try not to eat by myself. One of the things is I do have lunch, you know, maybe sometimes during the week by myself. But if I have my spouse at home or my kids at home, I say, hey, Could we find a time when everybody's not on a call to be able to do this? So you have to be conscious of it. And I think sometimes people mistake that as this is too much work. But I think for me, I'm not lonely because I feel conscious of it. In some ways, I feel less lonely working in a remote job, being a coach, than I often did in an office environment where people shut their doors or people were not open to you stopping by, or if you knocked on the door, it was, I'm on a phone call, I, have, I can't talk. Um, but you have to be intentional. And sometimes that took the follow-up in person also. Come back, sticky note on the door, can I have five minutes of your time? These are important things to being able to talk to people and interact in person, but it takes effort, I think, to combat the loneliness. And again, the internet, the magic box is not going to solve that.
1: If you were a manager, you are a, you are a manager, but if you were a manager and you're a listener out there, what 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 suggestions would you give to the manager to support his or her team members uh, in this virtual world to help build the skill sets, just actually build the uh, humanity and end the loneliness for your team members?
0: I've spoken about and I've written about this. One of the things I think is really critical is to have team meetings. And I don't mean a team meeting for the sake of having a team meeting. It's good to have a touch base, but I think, especially in a world where people are often not present physically in the office environment every day, there has to be a purpose for it. Uh, We're going to talk about what the team goals are for Q3 2023, or we need to do a recap of how this project went. We want to get everybody's input. What happened that was good? What did not go well? How can we improve the next time? I think people want to be asked for their opinions. They want to be included in the conversation. That's different than a meeting that is talking at people. Here's what we need to do. Here are the assignments. Here's what's next. I think people need to feel engaged and they need to feel a sense of purpose. And I think that's when team communication and team meetings are the most powerful. The other thing I would say to managers is I think people want to hear more individualized feedback. And, you know, feedback is a tough topic because people can often say, I feel that feedback's just criticism or feedback is my annual evaluation and I don't get much out of that. But that provides an opening, I think, for us to think differently. I have to ask my clients, what would you want to hear if you were giving the feedback? What would you want to hear if you were the person receiving the feedback? And, the things I hear from people, I just want to make sure they actually know me. I want to make sure they've been paying attention to my work. And on the written page that doesn't come across quite so much, it also doesn't provide the opportunity for an interactive conversation and for follow-up. I might say, Mitch, I, I appreciate you said you think my writing is strengthened and I should just keep doing the same things to improve over the next year. What are the things that you think that are the ones I should be focused on. Is it structure of my, my reports? Is it grammar? Is it the tone? Is it the substance? Can you give me some specifics? And I think people want specificity and an understanding from their manager that their manager knows what they're working on and is familiar with it and is giving them an opportunity if the manager isn't to say, let me tell you something else I've been doing. Let me tell you where I have a challenge, where I want to have some guidance from you, and again, those are hard conversations to have when you're on a 30 minute clock on Zoom, and it's about to cut off, as opposed to being in person and being able to have that dialogue.
1: What resources are out there for um, people who are hearing your message? The resources might be you, actually, you know, connecting with you. What resources are out there for um, people who are listening to this podcast right now and are saying, "Gosh." You know what? I um I do need more human connection. I don't want to admit it. Um, I do need more human connection and I feel something missing. I almost know what to do, but I'm I'm just not doing it cuz I don't know cuz I I don't want to make the first move. I don't want to look like I'm needy. God forbid, you're needy in the United States, right? Um, well, it might be some advice or tools or conversations that someone could, could engage in such that they don't become one of these statistics. And really, it's basically look to your right and look to your left. One of you or two of you or all three of you are lonely.
0: One of the most basic things that I think you can do is start by establishing a very small step you can take. That might be not sitting at your desk scrolling through your phone during lunch, you might say, I'm going to make a conscious effort, at least just this week, not to look at my phone, not to sit in front of my computer while I'm having lunch. It might be, I'm going to turn my work emails off, or I'm going to put my work you know, device down at seven o'clock in the evening, and I'm going to make an effort to do something that gets me out with somebody else. I find small steps are easier than saying, I'm going to transform my life overnight by suddenly becoming the most gregarious, most um, sought after um, bon vivant of you know the, the, the social scene. Sometimes it's just asking a friend that you know, may not be playing tennis every week. It might be playing tennis once a month. And I think for many people, those small steps are important. I had a client that um, shared that they, carved out a small amount of time every week just to call a family member that they never got to talk with because they always felt too busy. And this was a a parent-child relationship. And this was something that the person felt was really integral to actually helping them think more critically about, I got some good advice for them, or I got some, some good impact. So I think taking one small step is really important to that. I think for feedback for managers and getting the um, right kind of mindset for managing, I think feedback and communication is so critical. There's a um, there's a great book out there, Fearless Feedback, which is really instrumental. I think in helping people have different conversations, including when managers feel that the conversation is about to be one of conflict, and. I think this book is great. It's by some Harvard professors. It's really terrific. I use it a lot in my practice. It's really good at illustrating how conflict doesn't have to mean adversarial. Conflict doesn't have to mean that it's going to be unpleasant, that somebody's going to walk away unhappy. I think managers pull back a little bit from having conversations that are more more individualized because they're afraid somebody's going to react negatively or they don't have a solution for a problem, or they don't know how they'll approach it with their employees. So I think that's a great resource as well. Um, and then of course, yes, I'd be happy to talk to clients that wanted to share with me. I do write a lot on my blog about this, this issue. And one of the things I push in a lot of my writing is getting outside the assumptions that you have. Um, that person wouldn't talk to me. I don't need that information because I can get it from the internet and really questioning, what do I really know? Most of the people that I know that successfully make a transition to a new role, for example, do so by having conversations with mentors, with friends, with colleagues, with former colleagues, not by just looking at a database or a job listing.
1: How can So how can we find you?
0: You can find me at lauraterrell.com, L-A-U-R-A-T-E-R-R-E-L-L. I'm on LinkedIn as well, but I do my blog and my Work mostly from my website.
1: Okay, so Laura Terrell. So I pronounced it right. Laura LauraTerrell.com. Uh, well, Laura, this has been truly engaging. And uh, this has been a great conversation, by the way. So I feel very connected um, to you and your information. I'm really glad that we tackled. We didn't um, find all the solutions, but we definitely tackled this um feeling this crisis that's really facing uh, America, if not the whole world, uh, which is loneliness. So thank you so much for your time. And um, for our listeners, please uh, share this or listen to this again. I- I'm definitely going to listen this, to this again. Uh, listen to this episode again. Please share it with your friends, your family, um, your colleagues. And we look forward to you on our next episode of Team Anywhere before we sign off for today, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your support helps us grow. And by subscribing, you'll be the first to know when our exciting next episode is available.